You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season 10, episode 16, which I think I said last week or recently is crazy considering we're in October. Not so much football game played, but here we are. Um, so I'm John, I'm your host for this evening, and joined by Tony, who's back on from last week. You all right, Tony? I'm all right, thank you. Thanks for having us again, John. Pleasure, pleasure. Uh, and we've got Scott from the Footy Blog now after his wee holiday last week. How are you getting on? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, nice and refreshed. Nice and refreshed, eh? All right. Good. A few refreshments as well. <laughs> Just a few, eh? Last week, eh? Um, and we're glad to. As- Announce as well. We've got Ian from the Town Army, Ma- Army magazine back on. I think you were on in June last when we did it the was. Euros. Um, yeah, that's right. With a wee recap, that was a good aye, night, that. which was a good night. So it was a good blast. Um, yeah. So I've been on a few times. So it's good to have you on. Obviously, we've got a, a big Scotland game on Thursday. Yeah. Don't make me nervous. No, <laughs> I. Well, we'll definitely come on to it. Um, I'm a bit of our emotions as it always is when we talk about Scotland in terms of trying to be excited. Apathy and who's in the squad, who's out the squad, who's pulled out. Because um, last week the squad had been announced actually, I think the day we recorded the podcast, but we never got a chance to talk about it because we had the guest on Robert and he was fantastic, loads of great stories. Mm. Um, so yeah, we'll get we'll going to Scotland later on. But start off, I suppose, with European action last week. Now, I can't say I've seen any reaction itself because I don't think either game was on TV at all. I checked no. on Premier Sports and the Spurs game was on. I thought I'd maybe kind of catch some of the, the Rangers games or Celtic games, but no, not at all. Um, but both get through, which is good from their club's point of view and the coefficient. Aye, it's great news for Scotland to have like two teams in the Europa League. Uh, I think it's been a long time since we've had like two teams in any like league format, whether it be the Europa League or Champions League. So. Uh, it's good for Scottish football. Apart from last season. They both get through them as well, so there you go then. There you go. How quickly one forgets. Are you sure that's burger king just you've got? <laughs> you sure are I? <laughs> I couldn't remember. I thought I thought I was, I was dead quite happy with that statement as well. Just not used to having two teams still in, so just need to have that's a deal Aberdeen and Motherwell to do a bit better than the other teams next time. And... Aye. Well, we, we did touch on briefly last week that it is going to be a wee bit easier in that season because I think the team that finishes third gets straight into the playoff round for the Europa League, so that obviously helps. And then we're going to have two teams in the Champions League qualifiers that season as well. So And that's definitely not happened in a long while. That's true. I think we can all say that. It's been ages. <laughs> You've redeemed yourself there, <laughs> almost. Um, yeah. uh, to quickly go on to the, the, the kind of two games from what I've seen of them, I think Celtic, it was a very much back against the wall from the opposition and just to try and plug it and uh, break them down, I think was just the the kind of hard slog of the night for Celtic, but they got through it. Um, Edward goal, so... Uh, there's not a lot, I mean, one of those games that you just need to get through. Uh, Rangers, another professional European performance from Rangers. 
Stephen Gerrard seems to have the, the right tactics in Europe and, you know, it's, again, very slick their goals and it just kind of caught Galatasaray on the hop. Do you think Gerrard played a wee bit of mind game saying that Galatasaray were favourites? Considering Rangers' record over the last couple of years? I think, yeah, I think slightly. I think I think it was, because um, I think being at Ibrooks probably suited Rangers more anyway, and it kind of gave it more of an even feel. But I think with Galatasaray's history, some of the players that they had in their squad, you know, their manager, um, but, you know, they didn't have a great season last season. So, yeah, it's probably a wee bit of mind games. But, you know, as long as it works, I think Scottish football's the better for it when you've got two good teams in Europe. Yeah, did you get to see any of the Celtic game at all, Tony? Like, did they have any? Did they have any streaming servers? No, no, yeah, there was just nothing to be honest with you. Um, Listen to it in, in the radio, Radio Scotland, um, and it just sounded like a normal Celtic game at the minute. Um, a lot of possession. I don't think they've done too much with it. Got the goal and then kind of went through. Um, nothing really exciting, but got the job done as far as. Radio Scotland, what we're saying. Yeah, the draw's quite exciting, though. Get AC Milan. Mm. Yeah. Sparta Prague, so tricky, you know, but I think it's achievable in terms of getting through. Do you know what? The actual worst thing about it is having no fans because yeah. it's probably a draw with great away games. Fantastic away games, all three yeah. of them would have been terrific. And like Prague is like somewhere we've not been to in a long time. Leo would be kind of something newish. I know we've been to France a few times, but Leo itself and AC Milan's always good to go to the San Siro. So it would have been great to have them as away games. But I think I think that's probably the most disappointing aspect. At first when AC Milan came out, I thought, oh, that's, that's us. But then I remember last year we beat Lazio home and away and Lazio are a better team than AC Milan. So it'll be interesting. I think they've got a chance. They're just need to wait and see how they perform in the nights and the games. Yeah, I think what you would say about Milan as well is their team in transition at the moment. Mm. So there's a lot of young players that are coming through, like so Diaz that was at Man City. You've got a young boy Lyle that scored a, a double at the weekend. You've got a few others. Maldini's son, he's on the, the fringes of the team as well. So you've got plenty of youngsters. Slatan, he's a youngster. He's, he's like Benjamin Button. <laughs> well, I, w- I watched their penalty shootout against the team that they played in the round before. And, I mean, they were lucky to get through. I mean, the first five penalties, I think, both teams scored. And then they went something like, they scored the next two, both teams, and then they missed. It was like, miss, 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 score, score, miss, miss, until right at the very end. When, when the opposition team, um, their penalty had the inside post, trickled along the line, had the other post, and then came back out. Aye, just did, dead unlucky. Did Milan not get a penalty in extra time to take it to penalties? I don't know. I just seen the penalty shootout. To be honest with you, yeah. I knew the I knew the drone went to a penalty shootout, and I seen the penalty shootout like. Yeah, Lee were doing well though. They think they're second in the French league just now, so they're mm. doing pretty well. So. Yeah, they, they need. Um, they've signed a couple of forwards. Obviously, they were interested in Morelos, so I think they're still kind of in transition uh, up front, but they're very hard to break down. So. You know, Celtic have found that already difficult, and by the time they meet Celtic, maybe the Jonathan David started to, to score goals for them. So I think Leo's one of the trickiest games in the group, certainly. Um, AC Milan, a kind of hit and miss, but you know, 
the Celtic squad should be hopeful, excited, and just you know know what they did last season and give it you know they've, they've got the players that are there that are capable of getting performances. So it's 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 whether or not Neil Lennon can set the team up properly to to set them on the right road to actually get victories. Yeah, what do we think of the Rangers draw then? Think it's slightly easier. Benfica, standard Liège, and like Poznan. Yeah, I think all teams that probably suit Gerard and Rangers, um, they're, they're kind of used to these sort of teams. The, the like Poznan and the, the standard Liège um, aren't any better than the teams they faced last season. Um, and I think the, the Rangers' record in the moment in Europe might scare a couple of teams. And Benfica have lost their goal scorer from last season, so uh, Cavani didn't come in. Um, Otamendi, they've, so they got Otamendi through the swap deal with Man City. Um, ah, it was one of them. They said it was so, a swap deal, and you're like, well, well yeah, most it's one, the same day. What's yeah, the deal? the centre backs, and, and he's a great centre back now, out the out the out the door as well. So uh, I, I think Rangers will fancy their chances. And I don't. I don't think. I think just in the last couple of years, you know, I think that as see Rangers get so much stronger, getting the results in Europe, uh, Celtic and Rangers, they're not out of the comfort zone by any means in that. You could say, yeah, they should be in the Champions League, but that's so difficult nowadays, you know, and you, you could be up against getting a hiding in some of these games. But I think at this level, you know, I think every game, the way Celtic and Rangers can play, are up, up for grabs. Yeah, no, I would agree, and definitely, especially as you say, with our record over the last couple of years, they're beating probably yeah. better teams than what they've got in the group, I would say, Rangers. Yeah. And the thing is, if Rangers and Celtic have good years this year again in the Europa League, then once the Champions League comes a possibility again next season, they'll be actually be more suited to it because they've had these two relatively good seasons in Europe behind them. So that I think the Champions League, there's a, there's a big gap but it's not unattainable to get to the group stages if they can carry that form in. Yeah. So do you think both teams will get through? Uh, I think Rangers should get through. I would be a bit more concerned for Celtic. It's not, not neither of them are city certainties, but I think Rangers have got the better group. I'd, I'd yeah. probably say the same. Ra- Ra- Rangers have probably got the better group. But it really depends on how they play on the day, to be honest with you. Home games are going to be the main thing. I mean, both teams need to win the home games to have any chance of qualifying. Uh, it's weird that just now, because I keep on hearing folks saying that, but winning home games and all that. Obviously, with the lack of fans, it's not really a bigger thing. I, think when the, I remember when the Bundesliga first came back um, last season after lockdown, and actually there was more away wins than home wins. Will the Celtic Lights be the twelfth man for Celtic? Aye, definitely. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if I, we just I, keep them on to blind the opposition. Um, I, I think with Celtic, it, it can't help because obviously you've got different size of pitch and dimensions and all that kind of thing. Um, for the way Celtic want to play, and they like trying to play wide. Um, I, I, I think with Celtic, they, they still rely on home games, even in league form. Um, if you look at them in the league at home, they seem to be better at home than away. They seem to be a bit more turgid. Again, I don't know if that's because smaller parks and what have you. So I think when you're in a, a park that you're used to, uh, in a stadium that you're kind of used to, even though there's no fans, 
Um, I think there will be some sort of advantage. Um, although, that being said, as you already said, not having fans, I think, can be something that can bring that advantage down. Yeah. Um, just kind of breaking news within the last few minutes anyway, Celtic have signed that guy Latzel from Milan on loan. Um, the left wing back, so... He did well at the World Cup at Uruguay. Um, mm. And he needed the left back, so it makes sense. It's a, low, it's a year loan, isn't it? Ah, did I hear right? A year yeah. loan. Um, but the bigger thing, I think, for Celtic will be, so far, we're at half past nine. We've got, what, two and a half hours to go in the deadline. It looks like Edward's still going to be a player for Celtic. If that's the case, then that's, to be a, a cliche, as good as a, a new signing. Well, plus Deacham and Ayer, so it's the key three players that everybody was talking about for the multi-stay, for them charging on for 10, eh, for 10 in a row. Is it, is it 10 or 9? I'm getting 10. Aye, basically, yeah, the way okay. it works, Scott, is we've been doing the podcast for as long as Celtic have been in leagues. So really what we should have done is See, grab it for a season. It's because I had that gap, gap in between one and, and nine. That's yeah. That was the problem. <laughs> um, and on the other side as well, Rangers, again, unless there's anything last minute, Morelos is going to stay. Um, and both the players, you can tell by their performance, I think recently have been affected by speculation and the way that they're playing. But once they know, right, that's you, you're a player now for the next few months. Um, until well, that's the thing. Get the head that's... down. And then, well, at least... It's, at least only, it's, it's only two months. It's only two or three. It's not at it's least the same that, gap. They, they know that they're staying there. They're, they're settled for a couple of months at least. I, I think as well, and I've said for a long time, I think the likelihood is with Edward, I've always thought he's going to stay this season and then I would imagine he'll go. Yeah. Uh, Mirella is the thing you always thought he could go at any time, but Gerard will be delighted, I think, to keep him. Because um, if he gets going again, but I think we are going to get this year a proper, a proper title race between mm. the two. No, it's early days. It's very early days. The what might go against Celtic is that they've still got the cup games, to, the Scottish Cup games coming up, so they're going to have a bit a busy calendar. Um, and that's the only thing I'd say. Just with the Scottish Cup added on from last year, there's an awful lot of games coming up, an awful lot of important games. But in saying that, they've got a big squad, strong squad. Lee Griffiths is back, for example. Um, yeah, so we'll just have to see how it pans out. I'm going to touch on something, touch on briefly with Griffiths, just because we're obviously the week of the Scotland match. Do we think that Griffiths should be brought in the squad for the option off the bench for the playoff or too early? No, too early. I don't know. I think he can get goals from him. Well, you know, you know, to come off, you're talking about come off the bench. I would, I'd have him in the squad. Obviously, we haven't seen enough of him to see how match fit he is or. He looked fit enough at the weekend. Um, mm. Like he'd slimmed down a wee bit, and you know he looked sharp when he came on. And you could always get a goal out of him, you know. I mean, he's, so I think yeah, he's the most natural striker I think in Scotland. Yeah, so I think that's kind of going against him that he let well whatever happened in the close season that he let himself go a wee bit and. Um, Didn't we all? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know how Luke Griffiths got all fit again. Are <laughs> you still drinking the red wine that you're drinking? Oh, uh, is that what it is? Aye. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you don't think he is anyway. Aye. Uh, but yeah, it probably is too close to call. But I just, if there was a, if there was some, basically if a striker pulled out, you'd take the risk, I think. Put him in. I think, it, yeah, I think it, maybe if a striker pulled out, um, 
Still time. Possibly, but the, the only thing I would imagine is that Steve Clark wants to be sure that he is mentally as well as physically ready to come back for Scotland and he'd probably want to see him playing a few more games than just a nice cameo, but it was a cameo off the bench against St Johnston. Um, you know, it, it, it's, uh, I think there's other players that, you know, might look at it and think that they've done a wee bit more. Um, you know, you've got Nisbet at um, Hibs. So, uh, yeah, Griffiths has got the experience, but I think you have to probably temper that by just making sure that his head is totally screwed on and he is ready and rearing to go. And I, I don't think one substitute appearance proves that yet. Who in the Scotland squad do we think we can rely on for a goal? Oh, we can't rely on anybody for a goal <laughs> at, at this moment. Yeah, that's um, a big problem. You know, probably McGinn is the, the, the most consistent. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, I, I do like Dykes. I think Dykes is going to be a, a good player for Scotland. I think whether or not he's going to be prolific um, remains to be seen. But I think he will work hard, he will work the channels, and that's going to create space for the midfield. So we need to get probably our midfield players like begin continuing to bust forward because that could be our main outlet for goals as late runs into the box. If the midfielders get forward, I mean, people like Christian McGregor can score goals, but whether McGregor will go up far enough or whatever, we don't know. But um, yeah, I can see the goals more coming from the midfielders than the strikers. But yeah, that's a big problem up front, I think. Aye. Well, obviously, we'll talk about it in more detail later on. The other thing with Celtic, in terms of you said about games that they've got in Europe and the Cup and all that, Celtic have more players involved in the Scotland squad as well. So, yeah. A few extra fixtures. Another one from Rangers, obviously, is Ryan Jack, who I thought was going to be doubtful for the game, but then he's the injury obviously wasn't as bad as it had it. Same with Christie, because I think Christie at Celtic when he went off the last weekend. Uh, it was last weekend. Well, like he was maybe going to be a doubt, but instead uh, he was on the bench on Sunday. Mm. Uh, Christie would be a blow to Scotland if he, for any reason, was declared unfit. I think Christie would be obviously another one you could look at to try and get a goal, um, mm. especially if we get a penalty. Um, but uh, you, do, you do worry about where the goals are going to come from. Maybe we should just know. talk about Scotland just now when we're on the subject, Aye. maybe. And oh, then do the, the review at the end. We don't want to get too depressed, do we? Well, usually we finish, quite often when we've got Scotland, we finish off with Scotland and we end up high depressed. So <laughs> get out of the road early and then we'll be all right. Um, I, I suppose the, the big thing as well is the system. There's been a lot of talk about the system because of the way things went last month, playing the three at the back. Did it go really well? No. Is Steve Clark stubborn enough to go with it again? Yes, I think he could mm-hmm. be. Um, I think as well with the personnel that's there, I think he might be. He might think that that's the the way to go forward. I know at the weekend as well, there's players missing. McKenna missed out for Nottingham Forest, which I believe is due to an injury, though you don't know because I think the manager got sacked. Um, Palmer, I think, missed out for Sheffield Wednesday as well. He came but, off at half time, I think, Palmer. Yeah, it was that. It was a dodgy back it did his back injury or something so that was the worry yeah so I, I think if we were playing a, even a right back or a right wing back I think he's the man that would have in there yeah 
yeah, because he did well the last game getting up. Um, so yeah, if Palmer's out, that's a big, a big concern. I'd rather have that than Forrest. Forrest hasn't been playing particularly well for Celtic. I don't think he's suited for a wing back role either. He's uh, injured at the minute, isn't he? Forrest, he's been out. Yeah, he's out. He's out. Yeah. As he yeah. confirmed, he's been out the squad. But he never played in uh, yesterday. Yeah, he's not in the squad. I don't he think. Wasn't, I don't think he was in the squad. I thought he was. No, there we go. No. no. Right, we'll leave that bit out of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's just the yeah, that just him being a permanent fixture. I didn't realise he was mm-hmm. injured. Yeah, I wonder if if Palmer doesn't make it. I wonder if that makes him decide to go for four at the back and move Tierney at right back. I think I. Right. I know that's a big dilemma, isn't it? They're probably the mm. two or two of our strongest players exactly the same position and where do you play them? I tend to think, yeah, if Tierney went to right back. I'm, I, I'm old enough to remember when Danny McGrain had to move over to let Sandy Jardin play in his position and McGrain went to the other side and I think Tierney's good enough to do that. If, yeah, I'd have to. That's what I'd go for anyway. I think he's got the traits. Tierney is smart. He's hardworking. He's passionate. And I think he, out of the two, certainly could move to right back and be more familiar playing there than Robertson. Robertson just can't, I don't think, could do it. So I think that's possibly where Clark will go, is you go back to four because that's been where we've had more success. And then because if Palmer misses out, it just makes more sense to move Tierney across and then hope that he has a great game. I suppose maybe it might depend as well if McKenna's out. I would say if McKenna's fit, McKenna will start. I think he's probably number one centre-back just now. Mm. And has been for a while. Um, obviously, Leeds have had a decent start with Cooper. Yeah. Um, doing well, so I thought Cooper was all right last game. I thought he was all right as well. I watched him um, during the weekend there. And he looked all right, you know what I mean, against Arsenal. So... Ken is out, I think that's another issue, another problem, because you've then got probably Gallagher coming in, and I'm still not convinced about Gallagher, especially this season at Motherwell, um, or Porteous, and I think it's too early for him as well, so it'll be interesting. Hopefully McKenna's fit. Aye, the Porteous one was interesting, because he's obviously suspended for the under-21 game. But he's allowed to play for the seniors, so I don't think I don't think he'll play. I think he's I just there. He's just there to see what the setup's like and maybe get him integrated in there and see what the the level is that he needs to achieve. I don't think he'll change the formation. I go st- still stick to a three. I think he thinks that his midfield plus Robertson as an attacking wing back is his strength, strongest asset in in the squad. And I think he'll try and get as many star midfielders, stroke wing backs in there. Aye, Robertson's come out though and said that he prefers playing as a full back than a wing back. Mm. He does prefer playing there, but then it's easier when you've got Sadio Mane in front of you as opposed to Aye. maybe what you've got to offer. <laughs> so. But then, well, at the end of the day, though, whatever Robertson's preference is, it's up to Clark whether he thinks is the best way going forward. I'm sure Tierney's preference would be left-back instead of having to play right-back or as part of a three in defence, which 
as possible. But I've seen him do both when he's been a Celtic. I've seen him as part of a back three and as a right back. Maybe, oh, we, just need, maybe we just need to create a new system in world football, which is the, the double fullback, double left back role. <laughs> Confuse everybody. Ah. <laughs> just put everybody in the left. Yeah. <laughs> the best bet. And just leave it up to Marshall. If anyone attacks us from the, you know, down the left side, going just rely on Marshall, he'll, he'll be okay. In goals. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, Never mind the sweeper keeper, the right back keeper. Uh, Ah, uh, so you think they'll you think they'll stick with the three at the back, Ian? What do you, do you think they'll, they'll stick with the three at the back? Well, I'd mean, I, I prefer if he played with the four, but I think what Clark's been saying, what I can hear, is he hasn't. You know, he, he seems to be going for the, the three at the back. He seems to think that was it's worked okay, and that's the way they've obviously played the last couple of games. They trained for that, so I hope he doesn't. But. I, I suppose it's just how you fit the certain players. And I was talking about Kieran Tierney and Robertson and how you fit them all into the one team, the one system. But you've just got to trust in Clark. That's what we've just got to do. But um, you certainly make noises at the back three works. And that's, so you've got to take that as a hint. But unless he's, we don't know. Yeah, sure. I think it'll be on the, on the back of that is does McTominay start in centre back again? Or yeah. does he realise that maybe that didn't quite work out? Let's get. Three folk that are like playing centre back, same day probably in the team because Tierney has been playing. If he's playing at centre back, Tierney at least has been playing at centre back for Arsenal in a back three. Into injuries, I suppose. Eh? If McKenna's out, he may have to. Well, there was okay. only eight players training today, so we might be on the verge of a call up. So, <laughs> <laughs> that was the five. It's only I can see him putting McTominay at the back is if there's major injuries because. Just because of like the criticism that was aimed at McTominay after the last couple of games, um, and you, you wouldn't want him to get more criticism, especially God forbid we get beat, you know, well, listen, and then it ought to fall on him. If McTominay can't get into the Man United centre defence, what chance has anybody got? So it is that um, point. I, no, I think I think McTominay proved he's not a centre back in the last two, two games for Scotland. Um, and that's no um, disrespect to him. He's not a centre back. He's a he's a central midfielder, and, and he's done well for Man United on many occasions as a central midfielder, but not as a centre back. He we caught out of position too many times uh, when we played in the, the back three. He's not aware enough what to do with the ball in pressured situations. So, you know, Clark has to see these things. I th- I thought that the two games. Previously, for the for the for la, sorry for this terms uh, nations leagues was the kind of C three worked, but then would revert back to what's actually worked previously uh, for this game against Israel. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes from uh, with that formation. Um, but I would like to think that he saw enough that three at the back just didn't work well. Yeah. What, the would the, thing, what, would the, what would the Motherwell laddie? Um, the, the set half is it Dodger or Gallica? We've ruled him out, but we're not playing him, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. He, he's not playing. No. They're not even getting a look in. No. We, we are not no having him. <laughs> so that's two. We've, we've already restricted ourselves because that's two centre backs in the squad that we're going to definitely play. So it's kind of hamstrung our team somewhat. Yeah. So that's why we're playing two left backs at left back. 
I can understand. I could understand the reason why he wanted to play three at the back because obviously we've got oh, a weak back. Put an extra man in. Hopefully it helps out. As you say, the problem is we don't, have an, we don't have enough of them. We don't have enough decent quality centre backs just now. Um, but moving into midfield, other dilemmas that we've got. Callum McGregor, I think he's coming for a bit of under, a bit of criticism. Mm. Um, he doesn't have enough good games for Scotland. But then I would say as well that Celtic recently is having to play deeper. Prior to them switching back to the three five one one or three five two, whereby he gets to be a bit further forward and gets influence the game more. Does McGregor start? Do you think? I think. Oh, like... Sorry. Yeah, I think he should start. But yeah, I know what you're saying. When he plays deeper, he's not. As, I don't think he's as, as effective. But when he's good forward. He's got the the vision to open up games, and he's got you know some amazing skills he's got. But yeah, I'd like to see him start definitely. Yeah. I think he's, I think he's a Steve Clark favourite. I think Steve Clark really likes McGregor, um, so I think he will start. Um, I think the thing with the midfielders that I said after the the last couple of games is they have to step up. They're all very good midfielders for their clubs, so now they have to show that they're the same. They could do the same level for Scotland, um, because they should all be fighting each other to keep that that sharp. And there's so many good, talented central midfielders. It should really be an absolute battle to take a place. And at the moment, they're not doing it. So if I was Steve Clark, I would be making sure that they were all very competitive about getting that shirt and keeping that shirt. So if you were going a three in the midfield, who's your three in midfield? Uh, McTominay, McGinn... And McGregor. Right. Tony, what would your preference be in the middle of the park? Uh, McGinn, Jack, Christie. Right, okay, yeah, right. Uh, Ian, Jack. what do you think? I'm it. I keep forgetting that uh, Ryan Jack's fit at the moment. I was kind of presuming he was out. McGinn, uh, Christie, and McGregor. And Fraser, I'd go for four. <laughs> sure, so you'd be, aye. So you're thinking you would go with four, and then would you have two up front? Yeah, and that's the thing. Could we put two up front? We've got think... in the squad this time that we could maybe go with two up front. I kind of think the last game, the stats said that we only had two shots on target. One was a penalty. That's not surprising. Aye. That's that's a long, a long-standing problem for years. Yeah. So. Shots. So, yeah, well, I mean, we're at home. I know we've not got this. This, this is a frustrating thing for the first time in years. We had a sellout game back in no, March. I know. With a semi final, not once that Scotland are used to hearing, and um, a full stadium, you know, and that, this is why we're, it's a kind of shame that we're not getting the home advantage, really, with this yeah. game here. I mean, I'd not been for a while, but I had decided to get back going, and I thought, right, get the yeah. other back and going, and then initially get cancelled or postponed and you're like oh here we go you're thinking I October but we'll be fine we'll get there in October yeah. uh, mm. the fact that even now that we're kind of heading maybe towards the second lockdown and people are questioning international games players moving about you know yeah. it's quite uh, quite difficult times for everyone because Israel's been in lockdown but it doesn't affect their squad because I don't think they've got that many that's <laughs> playing domestically I think most of them play in other parts of Europe but I uh, midfield for me I would go three in the middle regardless of where they were 
three or four at the back. But I would probably have... Christie is number 10. I think Christie needs to be a 10. I don't like him as much out wide. Um, I think it would have to be... It's obviously got to be McGinn. I think then I'd probably wouldn't play McGregor because I think I would have to have a hole in midfielder. So it's either McDominay or Jack. Jack's playing, so maybe it would be Jack. So... Tough. I'd like to see us go with two wide players, but we've never really got wingers in this squad, have we? Apart from Ryan Fraser. <laughs> so there's another problem. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of the, the lack of width. So I'd, I'd probably play Christie further forward and then maybe have Fraser coming in a wee bit instead of having and he could go out wide when it calls upon. Well, I mean, if, if you're having Jack McGinn, Christie is your three, you could maybe... Just try, I'm just thinking, put your man behind a striker and use him just as a, give him a free roll. The old three sets one. Yeah, just, just kind of give him a free roll, um, just to like do what he likes and pick the ball up and like support the striker, get in the wide area. You know what I mean? Um, you could do that as well, I suppose, not only for Fraser, but for Ollie Burke, I suppose. But I'm not a fan of Buck, but you could mm. do that with him as well. I think yeah. Buck's somewhere that we more involved with certain parts of. Mm. You could put Patterson up in, in and around there as well, I suppose. Um, it's just the options don't excite you. That's the problem, I suppose. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not like a squad full of depth, is it really? Um, you've got Shankland. I mean, he's been injured and he's still relatively new, but everyone here speaks about him saying, no, oh, he's guaranteed a goal when he plays. But he hasn't got the experience. But that sh- either shouldn't put you off either. But I don't know how fit he is at the moment. He is back playing. Yeah. And then if you remember, Barney, he came off the bench at the weekend for Sheffield United. So he's not a first pick, first a starter. Yeah. Uh, there's some unfortunate debate about whether he will still be in the squad. The only partnership for me that, that would look good is Dykes and Shankland. I think that's the only partnership for me that would excite me. To, the two, to all the strikers. If there weren't be two strikers, that'd be the only ones. Buck, I've seen enough of him as Celtic. There. He's, he's an okay player. Do you know what? I wouldn't say he's a bad player. A strong he's, he's player. Just, uh, he's got a bit of pace about him. He's just, he just flits in and out of the game far too much. You know what I mean? He, he, he can have a really good game and then he can go on a run where he doesn't do anything. And you forget about him. Um, Pass and McBurney. McBurney, I, I don't know. He, to me, he's... he's a good target man, I think, but he's not a striker. He's not like an out-and-out finisher, I should say. That's where, um, that's where the two though comes into play. I know that, that would be potentially good to have two, and plus as well, Israel wouldn't be used to us playing two up front. No, true. We wouldn't be used to us playing two well, up front. Though. <laughs> we wouldn't be, but again, it maybe kind of helps with the the short forward not being that good, that potent in attack. I think the thing, the thing is as well when you remember Israel. How do we look at their stats? I mean. They've only lost one in the last five. They've beat Latvia. They've drew away with Slovakia, I think it was. They've obviously had a result against us. Um, and they won another game. It's the life I can't remember. They've won two games and they've drawn two. And they've had one defeat. Um, and they've not really beat on out yet, which I was really surprised at. Um, yeah. Although he never played um, yesterday, he's still part of their squad. So I don't know if they think they can get him fit in time. Um, and 
So I was just going to say, the last game showed that they can hit us in the counter-attack really well, especially down the wings, because we were having a nightmare um, in the last 20 minutes trying to stop them coming down those wings and putting crosses in into our penalty box. Do you want to go to old-style 4-4-2? Need to do something different, I think. Yeah, great, exactly. Because they they'll have the any fear that they might have had against playing against Scotland at Hamden. I think the last game will have shown they'll they'll be re- feeling confident. You know, mm-hmm. um, I mean Israel have always been pretty good. You know, they are a nation that football is their main sport and basketball. They like basketball so that as well. But football's a biggie. You know, it's not just like you know they've. They're quite strong, and we've the games we've played against. We even go back to the days of Dalgleish and all that. We've never actually hammered Israel, so we've no right yeah. to think we can beat them. Um, that last game, it was, you know, so that's what makes it a bit nervous about this game. But um, it's more yeah, attack options that makes me more worried than the defence for some reason. But, Plus, oh, as well, we all we were talk about it's our first time since nineteen ninety eight. Potentially, this could be Israel's first ever qualification. I think I don't think they've ever qualified for anything before that I'm aware of. Certainly not in recent times. So, I mean, it's a yeah. big, big thing for them if they could get a result against us to go into, like, a, a final playoff to get into a major tournament. Exactly. Yeah, the other thing I'm trying to think of is, will they possibly change their system? I'm trying to think back to the first day, the original time when we played them, to qualify for this. That was the... What formation were they playing back then? Were they playing... Three at the back, or they playing something different? No, but three at the back. I'm sure that, as I said, I remember their two wing backs. Just aye, that was recent. Was but I mean, oh, right, the previous one. Aye. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember what. I can't. I, I really can't remember. Um, but surely, surely they'll, they'll go with what worked the last time. I would imagine that's the. the they will. I, I don't. I don't see a reason for them springing any surprises. Um, because they they won't fear fear us and they probably won't expect Clark to spring a surprise either. So I think they'll go with what they had um, last time. I think we just need a better performance all round from all the players and to show a bit more conf- a bit more confidence. We're playing at home, albeit with the virtual Tartan army behind them, but it's we should be showing more confidence and hopefully showing it with a level up from what we played at played like the last time. I think. It's our biggest game for about twelve years. The early game. I know. Hi. Yeah. That was that was a sore one as well. Hi, it was. So yes. Yeah, I know it was quite bad too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, whole, the whole nation. The whole nation. <laughs> That's why still it's so annoying with the. Obviously, there's a bigger picture out there, but it's just annoying what happened when we've, albeit we've, we've almost formed a new tournament to try and get us to to a final. <laughs> um, there's still a semi-final, we'll take it. We'll still take the semi-final. Aye. Well, you never know, we could get another trophy in on like the Kirin Cup. Remember yeah, the yeah. Kirin Cup. Yeah, from Japan, yeah. That's stands <laughs> proudly in the Hamden Museum. <laughs> so, do we think we will advance? Yeah. Yes. I think yeah. we, yeah. I think we will. Yeah. <laughs> After you, dear Alphonse. <laughs> There's a lot of pausing, but I think we all know the pitfalls, but I think we all know we should and could win this match. If the final be a different game, Norway and Serbia, that you know, that'd be a bigger test. Mm-hmm. But we've got to get past it. We've got to win this, surely. 
got to win this. Yeah, I like how you did so at least acknowledge the fact that Serbia are in this tournament as well because everyone seems to be thinking it's a shoe in that Norway get through. Because there's one player as well, really. Um, yeah. Ayo. <laughs> <laughs> Stefan Johansson, he's still. I, I don't think so. Um, no, I think. Uh, I think with Clark so far, it's been a bit hit and miss. So I'm hoping it's it um, against Israel. As long as, it's, as long as the players are confident and set up properly, then I don't see why we shouldn't. And you think Clark, well, has, you know, when um, I was looking for, I want Clark to take over. I want Strachan to remain there originally. But when it came to a new manager um, after McLeish, I want Clark, I thought was a man, because he knows how to set his team. Um, and I suppose it is, diff- obviously, as every manager knows, it's difficult in international football. You're not getting the squad together, you're not getting as many games. He has some really hard games to start off with, you know, the Russia and Belgium. And, you know, they were tough games to start off. And it seems a shame. It seems like the flow's gone a wee bit, but it's still got, you know, not bad results. Um, albeit it was against the Czech under 10 team or whatever it was. <laughs> we played in that last game, but we still got the result away from home, which was really crucial after the draw at Hamden. So, yeah, he's getting results. I don't know. Just, I just hope that something comes together in this game and we see, gives everyone a lift and the confidence because you don't want people shouting for his head. And we change the manager again, and we're all back to square one. It doesn't help, you know? is Ian? Like I'm like you. I would have rather Strachan stayed in place. I think probably part of the problem with Strachan is that he's not a yes man, which yeah, the SFA don't like. I thought we were getting progress under Strachan. Um, well, definitely. Again, like you, I think if we were, if we don't win on Thursday, we can't just keep changing the manager. It's, it's not always a manager that's the problem. Yeah. I mean, in our discussion, we're looking at who to have up front, and you know, we're not, we're not. There's not that many great players out there at the moment, no. so that is the difficulty for any manager. But we've just got to hope that somehow they gel. They look better than they have in the past, and they gel a bit more and give us a bit of excitement and some attacking. You know. You would think as well um, that by getting to this stage and hopefully getting to the final playoff place and then hopefully we, we get to the Euros uh, this would like give that kind of enthusiasm to a lot of the players because I think that's something that's always been directed at the group of players we've had for the last maybe 10-15 you know, years uh, when they get picked for Scotland there's a, a lack of enthusiasm um, when they turn up and what have you and hopefully they have that bit of a winning mentality as well you know because I think I mean, I remember Celtic during the, the 90s and we never had that win, winning mentality, especially during the Tommy Bungiers. And if we had that winning mentality, we could have maybe won a couple of trophies. Once we got started winning stuff and doing well, that mentality came into the club. So I'm hoping that by doing this with Scotland, we stick by the manager and keep progressing and progress, progressing that this mentality starts trickling down through the players with a I want to play for Scotland. I want to come. I want to make sure I'm in the squad. I want to be ready and they're looking forward to it. And then that makes the fans, I think, start looking forward to games as well. So yep. I'm hopeful that this week tournament that we have, you know, the this League Nations League thing is great for us 
and that, and this just kind of makes us get better and better and more confident uh, in the team, and that takes us forward. I certainly caught the imagination of the fans because mm. to get sell out. I mean, it's been as uh, was talked about earlier. Italy, you know, um, and that was the last time I was really performing well, and the whole country was getting enthusiastic about Scotland. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. and how many times do you go to Hamden and it's half empty and it's mm-hmm. lacklustre performances and you know people don't have the interest like they used to um, all Saturday so home fixtures then as well yeah I was a glorious cat. it was all Saturday fixtures oh yeah yeah that was yes. the, the Italy game was a late kick off yeah yeah mm-hmm. so I don't think it was, really shed, I was in the shed beforehand yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no so everybody was partying before the game um, yeah, they were great. You know, it was really good to Saturday games. And that, again, that's taken away, especially with so many fans that travel a distance, you know, to travel on a Thursday night or whatever it is and come down. So international football, I think, had to take a back seat. I mean, I think it should be a Saturday game, definitely. That should be back in the fixture. Yep. Um, but it's all about catching the imagination of the, the fans. I mean, we've been doing the, the famous Tatanami magazine for years. And I was at the Euros in 96, World Cup 98, I thought oh, that's great. So every two years, we have a magazine, and people never qualify. They <laughs> <laughs> even come close. Italy. We came close against the Italy game, and then we beat France as well. So we did nearly do it, but um, mm. it's well overdue. We need to, oh, and, and you know, as you say, it all works off confidence. You know, if you get the fans behind you, and no one's criticising. People then the players get more confidence. Actually, yeah. If we get that tournament. How big a lift is that for the country, especially oh, in the way massive. the situation is just now? The way that football has been criticised for years, especially by our neighbours down south, whereby it's like, oh, Scotland's playing, aha, uh-huh, let's have a laugh at them. Mm-hmm. It's a chance for these guys to be modern day, almost not legends, but heroes getting to a tournament. Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. Um, so we've just got to keep our fingers crossed that. People are up for it and we get a performance, that's what. I think it's unfortunate there's a big pressure at the moment playing for Scotland and it has been for at least 10 years a huge pressure because I think people think that players don't want to play for Scotland because it's international football, but I think it's, it's probably more mentally the pressure. I think it's just been heaped on every squad for the last 10, 15 years. And they just got a few good results. Everybody was looking forward to this Israel game. And then the fans were you know, shut out the stadium. And then I don't think that's helped when we came back. There was no fans in Hamden. And then we saw a dip to performance in those two games. Yeah. So it's just worked out really badly for Scotland, which has been the story for God knows how many years. Edward not back to square one, but it feels that way often because I think it's another high-pressured situation. And it's just trying to get the players mentally focused to just say, listen, don't worry about the pressure. Just play your own game and let's get a result. It needs an any given Sunday speech. It needs a special, a right special speech in that dressing room. <laughs> that's what it needs. But we're, get, we're all getting fed up with saying, no, oh, that's time. Oh, God, that's time. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember like '98, the World Cup, and thinking, "Oh, this is brilliant! This is terrific." The only tournament I've got got to actually watch Scotland and having a beer. It does go hand in hand. I folk will say it doesn't, but it does. 
you enjoy mm. it, you're having a drink, you're with your friends, you're you're seeing the tournament, you're not just the the neighbour looking in at the party next door and going, Oh, that looks a good party. When can I come? <laughs> oh, you're not invited. Yeah, I know, and it does it and it I mean people do lose interest in the national game and, and that's the way it is, and it doesn't help me don't play well. But when you are playing well and you are getting to a final, then you have the unique situation where the whole country is behind you and it is amazing when you're going to finals. That the build up to that is absolutely fantastic. So for any player who might see it's a chore, I've got to go and play for Scotland or whatever country they're playing for, because they're getting paid a fortune for the club teams and things. I mean, the bigger goal is getting to a final where it's just amazing, you know, and the whole country is behind you. But because it's been so long, it's kind of hard to kind of remember that. And when you're asking fans to turn up on a Wednesday night, pay thirty pound or whatever, and go and watch a game that's not too good, it's it's tough times in between. It's been a long time, so we need this result. Well, that's the that's the other thing about the, the apathy towards the national team from support is because yeah. so many young supporters mm. from our generation, we just got to see France '98, so we know what it's like to qualify for a tournament. We saw Euro '96. Those positives. That's why I keep going back to Scotland. I'll always support Scotland, no matter what. It's the only team that absolutely ruins my weekend if you know we have a bad performance and a, a, a defeat. But if you're younger than me and you can't remember remember those specific good times, then that's where that's where it all falls apart. And that's why you see a lot of younger Scotland fans who will then just you know say, "Oh, well, actually, I prefer no international football, and I just want to see Celtic, or I just want to see Rangers, or I just want to see Hibs," because they've never had those highs. Uh, yeah. I mean, I remember a time myself whereby I would have favoured international football before club football, but I can't yeah. say the same now. Um, and but it probably is part and parcel with the fact we're not getting at tournaments, and maybe that would have been slightly more successful again. Um, hi, I don't know. It, this is a massive chance. It's a, ma- a massive chance to get the nation on side, and I think we've got. A de- it's the, we're always talking co- continuously about this is a good generation of players. That mm. most of the actual, the actual current squad. Potentially, if we get to this tournament, could be around for another campaign. And at least that way, if you maybe get to a tournament, I mean, who knows what happens? You might do all right. Maybe we, we get through to it in this round. We've seen yeah. teams that, on paper, look not as good as us, get to right good stages of World Cup. I mean, who would have thought Wales would have got as far as they did when they were in the, the Euros and stuff like that? And I don't know. Northern I suppose, Ireland. I suppose if it is, if we're in the back of performances that have not been that good, and so even now, looking forward to this game, we were not really coming in with a lot of confidence ourselves, speaking about it. But say, for example, we played brilliant, we win 3-0, a great performance. And then, you know, very quickly we're right back up there and there's potential of doing something. I think it's just a, a past experience. <laughs> we're not expecting yeah. that. That's the problem. I, I always remember in, in the 90s, I would have been about 95, 96, I think it was, um, Archie McPherson done a programme, I think it was for ITV, about the history of Scottish football or something. And I remember him saying that um, the way it was going to go in the future, with the way FIFA were setting things up and the emergence of the new countries, it'd be conceivable that Scotland might not qualify for another tournament. And I can remember laughing at that, because as a kid all the way through the 90s, we were qualifying all the time. I mean, apart from USA 94, where... Even finished third, and that was seen as a bad result. With yeah. Portugal, Italy, 
us. No, no, Portugal was Italy. Won the group. Um, I can't remember who came to Portugal. Or Switzerland, yeah, it was Switzerland. Yeah. And we were finished third, and I was seen as bad. Um, and we, we got were... a result against Italy. We, we, yeah. No, 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 Ibrooks. Um, they had Roberto Baggio, Maldini. Yeah, that, that... yeah. And Andy McLaren man marked uh, Baggio out of the game, didn't he? Yeah. Open leg, I think. We, we, it was the two home games. We drew 0 no with Italy and 0 no with... Portugal, I think it was, at home. We lost the first one over in Switzerland, 3-1. It was a golf with a handball. It hit yep. the... Just caught it. Yeah, he caught yeah. it, yeah, when the boy was right through and goal. <laughs> um, but all the way through the 90s as, as a kid, I mean, we used to always qualify. It was like yeah. certainty. But and as I said, it's just that mentality, going back to what Scott was saying, is now kids, I don't think, believe in Scottish football. I mean, again, when I was a kid in the 90s, you always got... The Scottish Panini book, you know, for your stickers and all that kind of thing. Kids nowadays don't even know half the Scottish players unless it's Celtic or Rangers players. A lot of them probably don't know the good Premiership, but all the Premiership stuff. And that and that's sad. So the English yeah. Premier League that they're interested in. Ronaldo and Messi, but well, how many how many times do you see something in the telly and there's somebody from Scotland and they go, "Oh, what team do you support?" and they name an English team, and you just go, "Right, all right then." Yeah, we spoke about it before as well in terms of like kids. If you're asking kids who they want to be, they're not going to be saying just now they want to be all about Burnley or Lyndon Dykes or John McGinn. They want to be Ronaldo, Messi, Ibrahimovic, yeah. Neymar, and all that. It's the bigger team, the bigger club teams are getting bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger, and, and mm. the commercial world of football. And that's why international football is right the way down at yeah. the moment. Um, unfortunately, because I do remember as well the World Cups four in a row, and then also yeah. Europe. Euro Championships in between, I'm thinking, yeah, life's good. <laughs> I just need to get to the next stages when we qualify. Now we can't even qualify. But... Ah, I'm envious of you getting to see your tournament actually <laughs> in person live. At that, yeah. I've always been envious of that and seeing a, a club team in Europe doing getting to a final because unfortunately I was too young for a buddy. Well, I've been to a club team in the final, so Celtic Porto in the final. I paid a lot of money for a ticket to go to that one. And uh, I was at the Scotland-Brazil opening ceremony, which I look at as a World mm-hmm. Cup final for me. You know, we're playing the World yeah. Champion, Brazil, yeah. in Scotland. And five of us managed to blag away in. That was great. So, Blagged yeah. away in? Blagged away in, yeah. We right. rolled up, them, we gave some stewards some money. Um, <laughs> it was at the time. Different times, different times. We're all pretty drunk and we rolled it all up and then we said, we're giving you all this money and they let us right away in. Stad de France, and I was like, oof. And we all got and ran away. That, that's different. terrible, that's terrible, uh, but that's superb. <laughs> I, I dogged school to watch that. Uh, this I, I left school at lunchtime to watch the, the Scotland Brazil game. But my dad, he blagged, he's, he's not even a, a, a football fan, really. But he blagged into an old firm cup final back in the, I think it was the 70s, and got into the press box just because he had this old BBC jacket and a camera. And they just walked straight in. Yeah. And stopped. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a good thing. Yeah, that's what we did. And we went to the, the stadium, the Scotland-Brazil game. We all ran off in different directions just to make sure that we didn't get huckled back out. And some people went and stood in the behind sort of wheelchairs in the disabled section. Other people ran up and sat in different bits, looking important and things like that. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Can't get. Can't do that nowadays. Mm. <laughs> That was, a great world. That, was a, that was a great World Cup, did they not? The papers, not, um, I think it was a record, had the Tartan Army bus 
or something like that. Right. Yeah, they the, the, they yeah, they, they, they drove all the way down England, got the ferry over, and it was an open top bus, if I remember. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Don't come home too soon. <laughs> and was that the World Cup with the the Brazil advert, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And then they used the the kind of they mocked up the idea uh, Scotland with the yeah. Demetri, yeah. Yeah. Uh, see we can we can sp- speak positively about things mm. in the past, or like let's hope we've got positive things to talk about going forward as well. Yeah. The world, even the World Cup songs have gone downhill because well obviously we're not qualifying, but it used to be <laughs> We're going to win the World Cup. We're going to bring the World Cup home. Then it was Delamitri, don't come home too soon. So we're going to go ahead at that point. The Italian 91 was a bit of fish. Do you remember that one? It was this like, kind of clanid thing. Well, it was like a dead slow about this fish. And they had, um, I think it was Richard Goff and someone else singing it. Jim Beck, I think it was. Sing, like just kind of singing in the back. I was awful. If you, you get, been, get a chance to get it, I don't remember it. Have you still I been drinking? I don't remember it. Have you still been drinking that Burger King juice? Oh no, honestly, go and <laughs> find it on YouTube. It's, it's horrendous. It's like a euphemism, a euphemism for something else, isn't it? Burger King juice. It literally is. How are you still drinking it as well? Because I topped oh, burger, it up. Like... I, to- I topped it up with Aldi Dial Lemonade. Oh, right, okay. I was what I was thinking. Does it usually you got, a, you got a juice on there? It's usually going about two seconds because it's full of ice. But if you've got a, a glass I've got or a cup. promotion for companies in the last three minutes here, yeah, we don't want Burger King. We've said before, beer, brew dog, welcome anytime. Send us your, your, your goods and uh, pie makers. If there's any pie makers on the go, the like pie ice. sport that I saw today, there's pie a, sport, yeah, it's like pie sports. And they've got the same logo as Sky Sports. That's quite good. Yeah, so, I, so that, I saw that just beside Hamden, actually. They'll so. probably not last for long. They'll probably be soon. <laughs> right. oh, yeah. No, no, I've said that. I <laughs> say I'm up in the intellectual property court of session, whatever it is, they'll be there. Oh, yeah, you've got your, your history of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously, the Totten Army magazine. Is the latest issue coming out soon? Coming out after the third game. So it's coming out the 17th. I think October sixteenth it's coming out on sixteenth. I think. Yeah, and, and John, Good John's been doing his articles and all that. He has. He's and made a is. massive contribution to it, so he's given it a kickstart with all his contributions. So yeah, I think it's going to be a good read. He's got some good interviews with Craig Brown and Ian Croker from Sky and Derek Ray. No, no, did he have Derek Ray? No, no, he was doing uh, eleven. He was doing like asking folk for that. Our best one to eleven, weren't they? Over the oh, day. Oh yeah, yeah. I think he did that with Rory McIlroy. Rory uh, Hamilton. Rory Hamilton. Sorry. I see Rory McIlroy. I'm glad to see Rory McIlroy's favourite Scotland team. Rory, Rory McIlroy's golf eleven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he did that. He did that. So yeah, looking forward to it. So that is online and it's free um, for anyone to view on October the sixteenth. Brilliant. Need to give you a plug when you're on, obviously. Yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, so uh, hopefully we'll be reporting on Scotland doing some getting to a wee final. What other things are included in the next? We're just kind of kind of got a regular feature, so we do like fans with microphones. So we start off with Chick Young talking about being a Scotland fan. You should, you know, like used to say that the football reporters of Scotland were fans with typewriters because they're kind of biased towards Scotland. So we start doing it like fans with microphones um, to speak to. We've got tartan shorts, we do fan stories, pictures, 
women's football, just try and cover it all for the national, yeah. you know, just nationally, um, try and keep club, club football out of it. And yeah, that's it really. That's pretty good. I could know, we're looking forward to it. So, I we're all the opinion we're going to get through and then we'll see what happens in the final. But at least we'll have another couple of games to prepare for it. Because yeah. we do the two Nations League fixtures for this campaign. Slovakia and so, Czech Republic, yeah. So, a lot might depend on what happens on Thursday as to how that shapes up. Yeah. So it could be. Well, hopefully there'll be, yeah, no, hopefully there'll be really important two games now preparing for the final. Um, so, yeah. Fingers crossed. It's, they're, they're important games and just what just mean nothing, you know. So hopefully they're important games and prepare us for a good final and qualification. Yeah, but that's, that, that's the good thing about positivity in terms of if you get a good result against Israel, by and large, unless there is an actual injury, everybody stays for the, the other two games because they don't want to miss the chance to play against uh, whoever they get in the final. And then that hopefully builds into a winning mentality. So that that's what we have to try and grasp. We have to grasp that kind of confidence, winning mentality, and the eagerness to play for Scotland and keep the jersey. And uh, you know, fingers crossed, we can get that result against yeah. Israel. Our positivity tonight is coming from beer, wine, rum, <laughs> and Burger King juice, and and dreaming, and dreaming. I always dreaming. I. Um, so I will shift on to the. Weekend action, which started on Friday. The whole idea of it was so that they had more time to prepare for this game, but yet not thinking that yeah, there's European action. So if any teams get through, they'll need to play on Sunday. Organisation at its best. I suppose it's always a hard one in terms of because you've got so many players for Celtic, um, but you know it, it, it was well-meaning. But with the COVID situation, it's just piled on fixtures anyway. It's just it's just hard to kind of work out. I don't I don't blame anybody for that, to be honest. So Friday, I managed to see the Aberdeen game on the old pay-per-view system. Um, I know prior to the podcast starting, Tony was giving me digs about us struggling to a win. Um, but I, St Mirren, to their credit, played really well. Good game plan. Mm-hmm. Well organised. Um, I think just the thing with St Mirren as always and we've spoken about this for a good while is up front I know Abika you like Abika uh, Scott he is good he's still got a score goals I did, I did always say that yeah. I always think yeah. he needs a partner um, I mean today for example Bruce Anderson's going away on one to air I thought Bruce Anderson would be a good fit at St Mirren beside Abika for example but a few things that were, were troublesome are midfield McCrory and Ferguson have usually been dominant um, since they've started together didn't get that against St Mirren McPherson especially he's a a nippy wee bugger I think yeah, yeah I like that he's a you'd like you'd want him in your team you, you wouldn't like playing against him um, so he was like very effective McCrory probably had his quietest game for us but it gave a chance for Ferguson to share again because I think since McCrory's come in a lot of folk have been like oh McCrory's brilliant McCrory's brilliant forgetting that Louis Ferguson's a bloody good player so yeah game itself St Mirren I thought got a game plan really spot on they'll feel hard done by definitely but the game itself I think is a game that Aberdeen would have potentially lost last season I think there's a wee bit more about the squad this season um, in terms of their players that have come in the likes of Hayes effective 
Watkins we'd spoken about before about maybe not getting the goals that he his play deserves, but he's now got two and two. Yeah, he works uh, hard. Watkins the line. His, his link up play is fantastic. I think um, that was what st- stood out for me. He, he did get his goal and he took his goal well, but his whole link up play and working for the team was fantastic. I'm interested to see what happens because Cosgrove is now back in training. Obviously, we've been playing three four three recently. I could see a, a slight adapt, adaptation in terms of maybe going three five two, and actually, I think Watkins off Cosgrove could actually yep. work quite well. Um, McGinn wasn't maybe quite as effective, I don't think, on Friday night as he was against Ross County. So I think there is an option there to see that, um, and you're still going to get the benefit of Watkins and the base of his play because he's getting asked to do a job still that's not his natural position at striker, but he's he's doing well. He's doing well in it. Um, I think so for St. Mirren, the goal was fantastic. It's pick it out. It's a goal of the week. Yeah, I, I don't think be. there, there can be any other contender for that. Um, aye. Terrific strike. No, it comes from no defender or shy. Um, and to kind of show people, because I think sometimes you see um, highlights from sports scene and it, it can be a bit skewed. Um, and I think this game was a bit like that. I think Aberdeen, if you just watch the highlights, it's kind of dominated everything. And then... St. Mirren had a couple of chances but it was 15 shots for Aberdeen and 11 shots for St. Mirren so they were getting forward they were you know technically very good again Um, there's just really hard luck um, I think for St. Mirren and as you say Aberdeen last season probably wouldn't win that game Um, and I think McInnes needs a wee bit of credit because I think he was ambitious with his subs uh, and really pushed for the win and didn't just think, right, we've well, got back in a, in a draw here. So I, I really enjoyed the game. Um, and as I say, Watkins stood out and Ferguson likes a dramatic goal. He loves a crucial goal, like the amount of crucial goals he scored. And he said himself after the game, he's not hit it that well, but it's got in the back of the net, um, which is the main thing. And I think he'd spoken as well about having a quad problem. He's a type of guy I just think would play no matter what. He, does he use that quad to get to Does he use that quad to get to Petodre? Oh dear, you're, <laughs> you're, you're not. Your, your jokes have been awful tonight. Um, but I no like, important goal. Um, however, what, St. Mirren, do we think St. Mirren <laughs> will be in a relegation battle? Yeah, I think I think there's going to be a few few of them down there. I don't think there's just going to be one or two. I think this season you could be looking at maybe three or four even, uh, all, all struggling. What do you think about the commander getting awarded a 3-0 loss because he can't play a, a team this weekend? Well, I heard, I, I've obviously I'd seen that breakout earlier on. There was talk as well, some folks saying that they've actually just withdrawn from the tournament. I don't know, I've not seen that officially. The commander? It could happen. I think, I think they're not just four feet the... The Falkirk game, that's all it, I've seen have, so far. I don't know whether they might. The games are pretty close. There was talk there was, going to be a, that, there was possibly another one. Yeah, there was going to be another cup game that we might have to forfeit as well. So if that's yeah. the case, they'd probably be better to say, well, right, thanks, but no thanks, we'll just pull out. Mm. It would depend on any punishments that could happen from, yeah. from that, rather than maybe playing the kids in the, the next game. Um I don't know if they can do that because of the training. Because come on, it all their training takes place at Rugby Park. I think even the kids' teams, youth teams, 
I just mean for the third game, so they could forfeit the first two games and then just play the kids for the third game. Yeah, it just seems a bit harsh when you know, obviously with COVID, the way we don't, no one knows what's happening, what, the way it's going, but it just seems a bit tough on some teams if they're going to be, you know, have to give up three 0 victories against them when they can't field a team. I think yeah. uh, I think Kamala probably prefer it to happen the way it has though in the League Cup rather than the League. Um, yes. I know they're going to try and rearrange the Motherwell game as they'd be hoping for. So it's unfortunate that that's just the way I think reality hits for the, the cup competitions. Yeah, yeah. I think you're probably going to see more of this coming with the winter as well, getting into the, the winter time up here. Um, I'm not sure if it's... I think From what I heard, I don't know if this is completely true, but I think part of it is due to the fact that a few of the new signings that came in the summer all stay in a hotel together. Yeah, I've heard that as well, yeah. Which I think has been the issue. Um, so it's again maybe kind of footballers not realising that ah, you've got a bubble within football but outside the bubble no it's still the same you know mixing with other households yeah you were saying that as an Aberdeen fan well we had our own issue it galvanised yeah. us maybe come on it'll end up the same yeah in that way yeah. like that, that's what's happened um, it's a shame because so. it's worked the opposite way for St Mirren um, going back to to the Aberdeen St Mirren game because they actually started the season pretty well. Then the goalkeepers all dropped out with the, the COVID situation and they've just not been able to respond. Um, they've still managed to actually play reasonably well and that's why I don't think they'll be in a full-on relegation battle. But they need to turn the corner quickly. Yeah, I like Jim Goodwin as a manager. I think he's done well. I think it was quite telling the fact they only had four subs on Friday. Yeah. Um, I think someone asked me why I think that is and I was like, well... It could be a message to the board saying, well, look, we're short in numbers. Help me out here. Let's get another couple of players in on Monday or beforehand. Um, or does he not trust the youth? I don't know. Could you at least like, put the youth on the bench, at least? Maybe he just doesn't think they're ready. I actually think they never made any changes anyway. It's quite a change, isn't it? Uh, getting five subs. Mm. Quite a change. The argument is it helps the bigger teams like Celtic. Well, I was going to say that, that that Celtic so, game is probably that the biggest um, highlight from it. Yeah, uh, because if we if we go into the Celtic game, they made the changes and that's what won them the game. And they made they managed to make all five changes. They bring in Clamalla, uh, Griffiths. Christie, all attack-minded players. Brown's obviously leading uh, leadership skills. I thought they missed. Um, I can understand why they wanted to rest him, but I think we've mentioned this before, Tony, that there's no other kind of leader in that squad, and that's maybe part of the problem for Celtic. I I think, in general, I'm I'm not a big fan of this five substitutions um, during a game. Four would have probably been... Enough for me, if I'm being honest, but to have five, I think it's just a wee bit excessive. I think if everybody's passing the COVID tests and everything like that, um, then I think we should be able to do at least four. Five, five to me, I think you're starting to get into like, you know, when you watch like pre season games and they're making yeah. substitutes left, gotcha. right, and centre. Yeah, it breaks up the rhythm of the games as well. I mean, for as much as 
I, I do agree with the fact when people say it gives the bigger teams a chance to bring on players and freshen up. But also, on the other hand, it can also disrupt the flow of the game. When you start doing these substitutions constantly, at least but when the, it was the, the three, you knew that you had to be... You, you knew when you had to do it. But the, you get the, five, you can do it whenever you like. No, but the, the five... They can only make them in three intervals, though. So, although you are bringing on extra players, you can only you still only allowed to have, you know, the, the three changes. So it's um, basically you've still got three intervals to make those changes. It's just you've got two extra players, which suited Celtic because, as I said, they've got the, the strength of depth there, and they capitalised on it because I thought St Johnston played really well up until a wee slip. Uh, in the 90th minute and Celtic took advantage or may all be frustrated the chance they hit the post mm. yeah but Conway I think has been one well, was going to be a start player for them in the sense of the same as Chris Burke is at Kilmarnock because he can go into those sort of games knowing that he can perform well and he's consistent and he can get the ball forward and things. Yeah, listen, every every player misses the chance here and there, and uh, especially when you're you're playing against the bigger teams. But I would look at the positives, and the Conway really did have a good game, and was one of their better players. I think frustration as well as Stevie May um, these days is not suited to playing up himself. Yeah, he needs a partner because all all his good players in and around the box, and you could see it. He's pressing, he gets stuck in, and he but he needs someone to play with. But they said the Israeli striker, um, yeah, yes, who could score a powerful shot, uh, going by the YouTube videos. Uh, Aye, you, can make any, you can make anyone look Aye. good. But exactly, <laughs> but Callum Davidson was honest about it and said that's where he's basically scouted him from um, the videos. So they have identified that they needed another striker. Um, Twenty-seven years of age, um, decent scoring record. I but one in Cassini earlier. Yeah, so well, you know, Callum Davidson said himself he's an unknown, but you know that sometimes in Scottish football you have to take those kind of punts. Um, but I, I thought, that, as I say, they did really well. It's just a kind of Celtic just were too strong right at the end. Though Griffiths, you know, I love to see somebody with that much hang uh, airtime and they hang up and. Head of the ball, uh, I thought he took his goal perfectly, um, and I thought you know Duffy, lovely interception, nice ball into Clamala. We kept kept going. A lot of players, Morelos, Edward, would have just won the fill, but he kept going and took his goal well as well. I think Clamala's got a bit of the Griffiths about him. I think looking at yeah. him, in terms of style of play and getting into spaces and creating wee chances himself. And again, we go back to the Champions League exit and why he didn't play uh, start that game. It's just beyond me. It's a nice option to have anyway with the four strikers. Is mm. even a Yeti obviously doesn't even feature at the weekend. I think Kamal is one of the kind of players that uh, just needs a bit of game time. And if he gets a run in the team, I think he'll probably be. A, a good striker for Celtic, or at least a good backup striker for Celtic. So, just waiting to see how Lennon's going to play um, with him. If he's going to be backup to Ayeti and Edward, or maybe a partner to Edward. Hey, go- 
go back to what I was saying about Brown missing as well. I think St Johnston kind of was galvanised by that because they won a lot of balls in midfield and they were coming back and pressing and pressurising that Celtic midfield. And you've got to, to wonder, did the players at Celtic miss a chance to show that they can handle it without Brown? Yeah. I've never been quite sure, Ian, because like, we always had you on talking about Scotland. Are you a, Cel- you're a Celtic fan or not? Yeah, I like Celtic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just when you mentioned the Portal game. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't going to miss that, and that's why it cost me a lot, a lot of money. <laughs> no, no bribes that night? No bribes, there was no chance of that happening, so yeah. <laughs> what do you uh, think of the current situation at Celtic in terms of, they've seemed to be struggling recently um, in terms yeah. of getting over the line? Yeah, I mean, I was watching a game against St Johnston and they just didn't look like scoring at all. Uh, I just couldn't see it coming. Um, no clear-cut chances, a lot of possession, but... You know, the, the subs when they came on, I just couldn't see the goal coming. And then it sort of came, you know, it was a great, two great goals, I thought. And I think, as you were just saying there, Brown coming on, definitely just his whole character, the winning mentality of a leader. Um, so he may be coming to the end of his career. You know, obviously he's chucked a national game to concentrate in club football. But he's got something that I don't know. People talk about Callum McGregor being the next captain and things. You know, he's captains are like Scott Brown are kind of one-offs you know inspirational other clubs have had him in the past as well and you know I think it's just you know he gets a lot of criticism as well I saw that on social media he's getting slagged off or he was poor in this game he's finished blah 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 but I think you know him coming on just the whole attitude winning mentality adds yep. a lot to the players around him oh, definitely just his presence he'll be difficult to replace there's no one within that squad can replace mm. the role he plays and the leadership, no. I don't think. So, Kieran Tierney. So, so Kieran Tierney, it's, in an interview, said that he reckoned McGregor was an, a natural leader within the dressing room, but I've not really kind of seen that on the pitch the way he was with, with Scott Brown. Yeah, I think different type of leader. I think McGregor strikes me as someone that's maybe kind of quite an intelligent guy off the pitch. Um, and maybe that type of leader, like leading by example, yeah. as opposed to, yeah. as you say, Brown can not play well, but just Brown Brown the pitch. Well, like, let's face it, if you're an opposition player, fan, whatever, and you hate Scott Brown, there's a reason why you hate Scott Brown, because he's effective at what he does. Mm. Yeah. It's like Barry Ferguson was at Rangers, he G's up everybody else, and sometimes a squad needs that. They need to know what it means to win that football match, and that's what Scott Brown gave them uh, yesterday. It's just that that presence of we need to win, this is Celtic Football Club, we need to get a goal here. So, yeah. But that must be a bit of a worry for the O'Lennon. Um, can he now not leave Scott Brown out? Is that why he hasn't? Is that why he persisted in playing him for so long with the, the, the amount of fixtures that they've had? Because Nietzsche and McGregor aren't kind of made of the same metal to actually push everybody else on. I think they don't have anyone else in the squad that can play Scotland's role. That's the problem. And his role is very specific. Like even when he drops back in the defence at times, I know he doesn't have a need for that just now with three at the back. But you can see the amount of times that Brown would drop deeper, get the ball. No one else can do that role with that, I don't think within the Celtic squad as well as effectively. It was interesting that it was like the old guard that kind of came on to try and win the game. You know, they brought Griffiths on, Rogic, um, and, and also um, Brown. 
on, on the park, you know, like you would say they were probably the three three big players during the Brendan Roger era at Celtic. You know, Roderick with his goals sorry, against Aberdeen. I you know, no, I know. <laughs> you're, you're, you're banned. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean, and Griffiths obviously it's it's practically been there, I think, throughout I would say all the name in a row. Would it be right? So maybe just season after. The first one. Quite as much as that. Uh, me... When did Griffiths first come? He was, he was there on the dialer. So, was... oh, what well, he scored about hundred goals for Celtic, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, he was generally good for about fifteen to twenty a season, so maybe about six or seven years, maybe. Yeah, maybe dialers first season then. He arrived. For that. Um, but you'd probably say those three, but the the three mainstays. The nine nine in a row team. So he basically, did, he, they brought them on, and he, de- he definitely signed during Lennon's time. I just don't know if that was maybe the January of Lennon's last season. I can't remember, but he did sign with. I'm sure Lennon signed them. Yeah, interesting. A player you mentioned there as well, Tory, that we thought was on his way out. Roderick, where is Roderick fitting at the moment? I, I don't think. Lennon likes him. I don't think he's a Lennon player. I don't think he works hard enough for Lennon. For me, I, I'm a big Rogic fan. I think when Rogic plays, he's immense in midfield. I just think Lennon wants a hard-working midfield in there. And I don't think he trusts Rogic to be in there week in, week out. Plus, as well, Rogic's fitness hasn't always been the greatest. Um, yeah. You know, he would play like to about the 60th minute to maybe come off. Oh, he would come on for the last 20 minutes of games. It's very rare that you ever see Roger last a whole game. Maybe case. Yeah, sorry, I was just going to say his experience might be kind of essential. I think he was he was nearly sold, wasn't he? He was, yeah. he was, about, he was going to Qatar at one point, which seems yeah. strange, but silly yeah, money that, there, isn't it? Yeah, and that fell through. But I think he could be quite an important player just for the experience. You know, a bit like Brown. Not for the full, not for the full game for Roger, because I don't think he's fit enough to go through full games anymore. But I think his experience could still be essential. Um, still I agree. I'd keep him, but I just don't think Lennon fancies. I just think Lennon, for whatever reason, doesn't see him in his plans. Um, unfortunately. What do we think of Turnbull at the moment? Still finding his way. Finding yeah, he's still finding his feet. Yeah, and I think. I think he's done reasonably well for somebody that's not um, had a full amount of games and stuff. So I think he's just, just finding his feet. I wouldn't be worried about Turnbull at this stage. Yeah. Um, just on our last note as well, do we end up thinking that Griffiths partners Edward in the old form match? No. No. <laughs> oh, well, Ender. <laughs> Are you the same? Have the same opinion? Edward's been the one that's not been in form lately the last few yeah. weeks. Edward's not been in form. Um, yeah. He always likes the Rangers games, though. Like, yeah, he's got a bit of class about him, hasn't he? But that's um, a tricky one. Yeah, but is Griffiths fit enough and all the rest of it for the two of them? But they were definitely doing it last year. The two of them had a good understanding going on near the end of the season. Yeah. Well, Griffiths will at least have time to like train for a couple of weeks in terms of getting ready for I that think, match. I think if. It was to play with two up front. It would be a Jetty and Edward, which we've not really seen. 
So I, I think that that would be a Jetty's very good with his runs. Edward can drop deep. Um, so I would imagine, but I don't think, I think he'll play with one up front. You know what? Just the end yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Lennon does a curveball. He, he does this in old firm games. He, he's constantly, if I think back to it, he, he does something. Ricky um, Johnson. Yeah. Um, Morgan. Yeah, so I, I, I wouldn't surprise me if we ended up playing four two four or something. You know, I mean, I, I really wouldn't because that, that, that's the kind of thing Lennon would do, like a team you would never expect to see. So I just kind of wait and see what yeah. we get in the day. May as well talk about Rangers as well. They obviously played on Sunday. Convincing win. Ross County had a few chances. I would say performed better than what they did against Aberdeen. Their, their problem was shown in the first minute um, when the lad cut the ball across the box um, and there was nobody in the middle. If there was a striker in the middle, tapped that in, this one now Ross County. And that's, that's where their problem is because same half, they had a few chances, but... I, I've said this all season. They are going to struggle because they don't have a striker. That that's really what their problem is. And I'm surprised. Well, I've not heard as of yet, but I'm surprised I've not went for anybody trying to boost their squad up front. It was all about keeping yeah, they signed a midfielder, didn't they? Earlier, yeah, sure. they signed a box Birmingham. box midfielder from Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think their their biggest thing was keeping Stuart. Um, yep. So, uh, yeah, I think it's always hard to come to Ibrox at the moment for any team. Um, they created that first chance, then it took a long time to get into the game and it wasn't until the second half they started creating one or two chances again. Um, I thought Rangers kind of laboured a wee bit as well. Um, Morelos is snatching at chances. Um, it's missing chances that he would have scored last season. Yeah, he's, he's, he's snatching again and that that's because he's he's under pressure. He, he, he doesn't know where his future lies. Um, Tavernier, eight, eight out of eight now in his last eight games. Um, kind of, as you would expect from him in the penalty spot. Um, game opened up for them in the second half. Uh, Barker took his goal really well. Um, I slagged him off a couple of times, but he actually did take his goal really well. And Hadji, although I'm not sure he meant to pass it to Barker, but that was his fifth assist of the season, um, and he leads on the assists front as well, which is quite interesting considering he's been a bit in and out of form at, at Rangers, but it shows that he does know how to provide a good through ball. Um, he certainly, yeah, he certainly has been criticised. I think probably from even maybe us on the podcast. So yeah, he's not been quite as good, but we all think he's more natural as a, a proper ten, as opposed to Rangers where they're playing the two. I think he is more suited for when they're playing in Europa League. Um, I think he had a good game uh, against Galatasaray. But he came off the bench, and it says, is there another assist? Nobody's got any more assists than him in the, uh, the Premiership this season. Um, but nah, I think Rangers will be just happy. Another clean sheet and a, a victory at home and get on to the next one, which is obviously <laughs> the big one. And return yeah, the footballs as well to the detriment of my fantasy team because I brought in McGregor. Into my team and it was waiting. <laughs> um, they have announced in the last half hour, though they've signed the boys. Yeah, Amiens on loan. Um, supposedly pretty tight in the ball, can spot a pass and all that. So maybe give a, a different dimension to that Rangers midfield, whereby they've been criticised with Jack and Kamara. Maybe 
they don't need both of them in the team. Yeah, I'm wondering, I'm wondering how different he is from a Kamara uh, and a Davis. So it'll be interesting. I've not, I've not seen enough of him, but he did have a decent um, season by all accounts in League One last year. So um, it seems a funny one because they went for him earlier in the window, and he supposedly was overweight for the medical and decided not to go for him. So I don't know if that would put me off a player or to go back in. Um, so. For deadline day though you maybe don't always get the players that you, you want they, they, they did seem that they wanted a, a midfielder no matter what so uh, which I don't know if that would be the position that I'd be strengthening um, I, I would like to say that before my, my second my, guess my, my, my that's question my holiday was that Jordan Jones I thought could do a job for Rangers this season so I just want to make sure that we we note that he has now done a job for Rangers this that? season so yeah, I've said that. Yeah, remember when I was slanging off Barker? Uh, uh, Barker's doing all right now, but... Yeah, I still prefer Jones to Barker, but... Um, you may not think Rangers could have done another white player. Well, the fact that the Joneses came back into the team and Barker's still getting those ch- those chances, probably. Aribo will come back in and he's not directly a white player, but he can go out into those areas... Um, but I would have probably thought more a wide player than a centre mid myself. What do you think yourself, Ian? You think Rangers this year have got an been absolutely an amazing start. It's not the best start for 114 years or something like that. Um, I think you know they just have. I've not watched it. I was reading the reports from the game at the weekend and it said that they kind of toiled a wee bit and Livingston were always in the game. Um, but I never actually saw the game and obviously it's in the back of a European game so there's always sometimes a bit of a, a bit flat after that. But yeah, I think Rangers are it's going to be a, a really interesting league and if the two of them can keep going it's going to be down to the when they play each other. I suppose the thing as well about Rangers last season is they're showing they've got a bit more depth. I still don't think they've got the depth to the level that Celtic have. But yeah, they're up, they're up against getting it. There, that. Getting there a bit. He, he done a, Jerry done a, a good um, tactic, actually, I think towards the end of the game. Um, they were a wee bit under the cosh um, for Ross County. I say un, un, under the cosh. I mean, Ross County were getting a couple of chances. It was nervy. Yeah, and he took Kent off and he put Davies in just to make that midfield more solid. And if you see their second goal, it's basically because the, the, the midfield's all been crammed in. They've got the ball and they've hit Ross County more or less in the break. Um, the ball's just been spread out. Uh, and I think, I thought that's quite good tactic because he's obviously seen that his team were too wide, Ross County were getting through them, specifically through the middle, and he's put Davies on just to tighten up, and because of that, that's led to the second goal. So We need to give you the white skin for the next uh, podcast for doing the tactics board and all that. You're going to the, mention here. The, uh, the, the other thing, the other sub that he made to, to kind of reinforce your point, Tony, was that he brought Calvin Bassey on mm. for Barisic. It just, I think, because obviously Barisic is free role, uh, free Rain to roam up and down the, the and I think Bassey's more of a centre back. He, he does play at left back, 
but he's more defensive minded. And I think again, as you say, they were getting a bit nervy. They were, that's when Ross County started creating chances, and they, Gerald obviously went right. Okay, we need to close this game out. They got the benefit of getting that second goal at the end, but. I think you're right. I think he did see that they needed to, to change things tactically and make things more solid. Because they had a header. Um, they had one as well, I think, with the boy Stuart, who had better control. He was yeah. right through and goaled yeah. on a yeah. one-turn. He, yeah, he was right. through. Um, and there was another one for a corner, I think, where they had. And that all seemed to kind of be towards the se- well, the second half, say about from 55 minutes or something onwards, I think. Um, so, obviously, he's seen that. And I think that's what you were saying, John, as well, about the depth and maybe the midfield that they have. Um, or even Scott, I think, said um, that they've, they've got that options. But in the past, they, they never had options like that. It was basically trying to put like-for-like like player in and hope that player would be better. But now they can kind of switch around how they play, how they use their width. If they could go narrow, if they could go long, or if they could get Morales to come short to pick the ball up. So they've got a lot more options than what they did, I'd say, last season. So next game up is Celtic and Rangers. Who is the favourites? Draw. What? You said the fence? Obviously, being a Celtic man, I want, I want Celtic to win, but I, I don't know. Um, my heart says, yeah, it'll be, we'll win it, no problem. But I can see it being a draw, like a one-each or something like that, to be honest with you. And a, a rumbling on as the season goes and goes on, and I've been that tight. What about yourself, Scott, Ian, or Jink? It's worrying. <laughs> it's worrying. Um, I've not seen enough of Rangers, but I've been reading about them that you know, and obviously the European results are getting, um, and everyone's saying they're a team to be reckoned with, and it looks like that is what's happening. And there's, they've had the better of Celtic in a few games as well last year, and I know they fell away after the, the, the winter break. Yeah. So it's quite a tricky one. I don't know. I'll be really interested. It'll be really interesting to see because I don't think Celtic are firing on all cylinders yet. And it's I a game it's, for them, though, isn't it? Yeah, because well, I think Celtic. Celtic. I think the big game, Celtic of the level. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting, but uh, yeah, it could go either way. It depends, also, as I said earlier, about what team Lennon plays. That, that for Celtic, it'll be critical. But it's a big game for both teams. I think um, as much as whoever loses it, I don't think it will have a direct effect on the league. It might have a bit of a mental issue because, like, you may have Rangers thinking, "Oh, is this us now starting to have these cracks?" Uh, uh, you know, yeah. like the Christmas scenario. Or you may have, if it goes the other way, if Celtic could be Celtic having, well, here we go again. We're struggling against a Gerrard team. Why, why, why are we struggling? So, I think it'll be interesting to see how. Both teams handle whatever the result is after the game and going forward. Yeah, I know Scott. We spoke off air at the weekend. Was it yesterday with Chris? Because uh, Chris was like he was big panicky about the the end of the game yesterday. No, I can't see us doing anything just now. You still see Celtic as favourites for the league? Yeah, I think you have to because of the history, the recent history. They know how to do it. They know how to get the job done. They've proven that. 
in the few league games, apart from the Kilmarnock draw, they've been a couple of times where they've been tight, but went away and won the game at the end of it. Um, I think this game is going to be very interesting because if Rangers win, Gerard can set a marker that he does know how to play against Neil Lennon. Um, because there's been times, even in the cup final, Rangers totally outplayed Celtic. Celtic, again, showed again why I think that they have to be considered favourites because they come out and win the, the, the final. But for a few times, I think Rangers have looked a lot stronger. And you've got to really consider that Rangers look really good um, in Europe and they can maybe use that for kind of form for, for the Celtic game. But at the same time, if Edward's on form, I don't think there's a defence in Scotland that can stop him and he does seem to like it playing against Rangers. So Celtic, I think, start the game favourites, but it wouldn't surprise me if Rangers, Gerrard has a wee surprise, Ryan Kent has a good game. Um, I would, uh, depending on Roof being fit, I would imagine he might start ahead of Morelos. Very interesting. Um, there was obviously our two games on Friday, which we'll touch on briefly because we're like reaching two hours almost now. So the main thing would be Livy winning in grass, which is not heard of for about a year or so. So that was good. And Marvin Bartley playing a getting an assist. Yeah, I think uh, first away game of this win of the season, Livingston up to that was the second one in a row, up to top six. Um, Really, they, they did. I think uh, Scott Tiffany really did well. Uh, he did eighty nine percent passing success rate. Um, You're alone with that one. See, Tony last week was trying to get that joke in all all night about the Tiffany. <laughs> so uh, sorry, Tony. <laughs> I'm proud of you. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, 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 I thought it was a really good one for Livy. I think uh, Livy have almost become like a, a higher level of what Hamilton are in terms of folk are like, oh, Hamilton will get relegated, Livingston will struggle. Livingston, Hamilton are obviously still struggling down that bottom end of the table, whereas Livy are continuing, I think, to exceed the expectations. And they're doing well business-wise as well, because I, think one of the, I know we're talking about uh, transfer deadline day, but one of the biggest deals has been them keeping Scott Pittman for a, a two-year contract. I think that's another a good bit of business um, and I thought they went behind against Dundee United but kept to their game plan and I think they deserve to be winners Yeah, the only thing I've not seen and I might have missed it to be honest is I've not seen that they brought in a striker to replace Dykes and then Stokes because obviously Stokes was there for but not one at all If it's I've a free transfer any... if it's a free transfer can they still because they, they won't be spending money anyway, really. So they could... Aye, if the, if the contracts obviously expire before the deadline, then it'll be fine to bring someone yeah. in. But it's interesting to see who's maybe available. Because there's a few teams that would need a striker. That's why I'm still supplier. I'm still surprised the likes of maybe Livy or St. Johnson or St. Mirren didn't go for Bruce Anderson. Um, maybe I've already went to, to just loan them to a team in the same league. Yeah. Dundee United, though, on the other hand, um, I know Tony, you've said that. You think they're kind of struggling a wee bit? They've added McNulty to the squad. That was at Hibs, Mama Nulty. So that's a good signing when you've got Shankland and Clark already. They, they need something just to give them a, a boost big time. 
Um, because again, I think since day one, I've said to you guys about Dundee United worrying me a wee bit. Um, I think they probably rely too much on Shankland um, to get them their goals. Uh, and they don't look solid at the back at all. They, they really don't. They look like they can leak goals in. Um, Connolly for that for that goal, Connolly let bounce and then bounces off him, and it, uh, you know it's rule number one: just clear it. Mm. Don't let it bounce. Been guilty of that before. There was an article where in the season he was guilty of giving away. I can't remember which game it was, but he is guilty of that. Um, the other game that was in Friday, Hibs and Hamilton. Hibs comfortable in the first half, looking good. Nesbitt, who we've touched on before, maybe a contender for Scotland score in the future. But then they, they struggled a wee bit second half when Hamilton came back into the game. I think could be come back for Hamilton, but I still say they could get relegated. <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I think Hamilton. I think it's sometimes easier to play well when you're three 0 down, um, and you've got nothing to lose. Like Nesbitt, really impressed. Um, nobody he's, he takes on on average four shots per game, um, which not even Edward or Morelos manages. So he had a hat trick as well. He had a couple of chances for the hat trick. Yeah, yeah, he should have had a hat trick. Uh, really liked the. Uh, Joe Newell's pass the cross for, for his headed goal. Um, I think a lot of things are going well for Hibs at the moment. They'll be disappointed to concede those two goals, but it was never really in doubt. The Portis for the second penalty is why I don't think he should be in the Scotland team just yet. I think, you know, you're 3-0 up and you're making a, a challenge at the edge of your own box. You don't really need to make. Um, but yeah, Hamilton... Couldn't defend at all in the first half of the first kind of hour. Yeah, and Hibs have said Kyle McGuinness, who Jack Ross gave his debut. Mm. Yeah, it fits the profile for Hibs. Young, um, up and coming, can play various positions. Um, so, yeah, I think it would be a good signing for them. And a, a, a bad departure for uh, St. Mirren. Yeah, you know, so, so I was just saying, it's not quite a long, quite a long deal, five years or something. Five years, five yeah. years which is yes. better than this day and age. Yeah, I know. So that's pretty good for Hibs. Um, I was going to ask you, because this is your first year on this season, who do you think will go down? Myself. Uh, Ham- I think Hamilton will probably go down. I think Hamilton. Yeah. And who are you tipping for the league? Well, have to be Celtic. <laughs> Celtic, yeah, I think so. That's fine. But it's going to be tough. Yeah, tough. Um, so I know good podcast enjoyed it uh, as usual we've, we've managed to talk for a fair bit we were the Scotland stuff obviously which we talked for a lot longer than I thought we would Cause usually we're kind of like oh, doom and gloom but no it was good uh, we got to talk about Scotland yeah. well, hopefully the next time we'll be talking about a final well exactly aye I mean even aye. next next, uh, next week hopefully we're talking about I get into a final it'd be great yeah. and then yeah. we'll also have we're not far off the return of the the lower leagues, yeah, which is happening. Um, well, Easter Scotland and South of Scotland are both starting this weekend. We've got the Betfred Cup coming Tuesday, and um, it starts West of Scotland. Still waiting to see what happens. Highland League, we know about November, and then the actual Championship League One, League Two start on the uh, 16th. Yeah, it's a Friday night game, isn't it? Or is it Hearts and I was going to say, did I not? I'm sure I've seen a Hearts game being advertised this week, is it not? Is it, Hearts is it a game and Venice are playing in the Betfred Cup. Yeah, is that this week? 
tomorrow night, I want to say. Uh, it could be Wednesday. Premier Sports, I think it is. They're advertised. But, uh, but definitely, aye, the champions up sure come back. Um, let me just double check where the only fixture is because it's a Friday night game. Maybe Hearts and D actually. Aye, that sounds familiar to be honest with you. I'm sure I heard something about Hearts and D. Yes, Hearts and one. D. Yeah. Friday, 16th of October. So. A good game. Aye, it will be. Um, but yeah, I would wrap it up because I we've, we've gone for on. Um, Ian, thanks for coming back on. We'll get you back on yeah. when more Scotland chat, definitely. Yeah, Plug the uh, magazine closer time as well. Yeah, read John Blaisdell. Read all about him. <laughs> uh, exactly, well, uh, he might be, I don't know whether he'll be back on. He's still doing the spin-offs. So he's got um, yeah, Robert Connor last week, which was good, and Ali Begg. And this week he is doing a lower league preview with Ali Graham and one of the guys from 2.1 Podcast. Yeah, super. That's pretty good. Um, with us. Have you get any Twitter's? Handles in? Are you on Twitter or anything like tweet, that? Tweet, tweet, tweet. Um, yeah, <laughs> got the famous title of magazines on Twitter, but don't use it that often to tell you the truth. I have to try and step that up. Facebook, yeah, I've got Facebook with, I think there's 9,000 followers on that one. Um, so I tend to use Facebook a bit more, but I have to start using uh, the Twitter account. Yeah, Twitter, and your ha- the handle was at Famous Tartan. Is it, what is it on Facebook? Is it uh, for the group or page, whatever it is on Facebook. The magazine for the Facebook page, it's Famous Tartan Army Magazine, right. and it's the same. It's the same for Twitter, but um, I have to start using that a bit more. Cool. So I, as I say, we'll wrap up. We could probably talk for hours still, um, but I cheers, guys. Right, oh, thanks very much. Yeah, Thank have a good couple of days. Thanks very much. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>